the last in our um, current series um, of being partners uh, in mission. Um, it's been fantastic, well, it's been fantastic from my point of view, um, going through this series, just reminding ourselves um, of God's heart for us um, in mission. You know, um, we've seen over the course of these weeks that mission um, belongs to God. That um, mission isn't something that we kind of came up with, like, oh, we've become Christians now, um, what should we do? Um, while we're waiting, or even that um, God came up with to keep us busy, but God had a mission before he even had a church. Um, that God has always been pouring himself out in love um, into his world, his world that he created, and he created us for this amazing relationship with himself, and he always wanted to be known by, those, by us, by human beings that he created. And so he pours himself out in love. He makes himself known. It's his mission. And the Bible really is a story from beginning to end of how God has been making himself known and how he's been inviting us as his creation, as his, um, uh, the pinnacle of his creation, to be part of making him known to the ends of the earth. He is passionate about his mission to restore people to himself, to restore his lost sons and daughters, us, into relationship with himself. Uh, and the gospel, as we've seen over the course of this series, is truly amazing. I mean, if we're not excited about the gospel, it is time to give up and go home, folks. If we're not excited about the fact that Jesus loved us so much that he willingly laid down his life, no one, the Bible tells us, took his life from him, but he gave it up willingly for each of us. He gave his life so that he could pay the price for our sin, our rebellion, our guilt, our shame, that he could take all of that away and he could bring us back into right relationship with the God who is the most amazing father, who will never fail us, who will never let us down. The Bible says even when we are faithless, he will remain faithful. He is a good, loving, faithful father who will never leave us or forsake us, who we can rely upon completely. He's the God who is unshakable and unstoppable and unchangeable. He's a God on whom we can depend. And Jesus gave his life so that we could have relationship with this God. The gospel is amazing. That when we put our faith, our trust in Jesus, when we say, I don't want to live my life my own way anymore. I, want, I don't want to depend on my own ability to, to decide what's right and what is wrong and I, I, I make my own way in the world. I give up being in charge. I give up being in control. I will trust you with my future. I will give my life to following in your way. When we make that decision, the Bible says that we're taken out of the dominion of darkness, the rule of darkness in our world, the brokenness and the corruption, and we're brought into the kingdom of God's Son whom he loves. And this is an eternal kingdom, and we may not yet get to experience all of its fullness in the here and now. The Bible says that we're those who taste of the powers of the age to come. We get a, a foretaste, we get a glimpse, we get to start to experience worship 
and fellowship with God. And we start to experience his presence. And we see signs and wonders going on around us. And we hear testimonies of people getting healed. And we hear testimonies of God's provision. And no, it's not everything yet. We don't experience all of it yet. But increasingly, we hear these testimonies that God is moving and working in our world. Because he wants more and more people to know him. And we've discovered over the course of these weeks that being a son or daughter of God, that making that decision to follow Jesus and being brought out of the dominion of darkness and into the kingdom of God's son means that we automatically become part of this mission. That there is no biblical concept of a Christian who does not have a mission. That there is no sense, biblically speaking, of a Christian who doesn't do evangelism. I remember once having to um, give evidence at um, someone's um, hearing that they were um, seeking um, asylum and they were, um, the judge asked me, well, is it not possible for this person to go back to such and such a country um, and just keep quiet about their faith? And is it not possible for them to go and privately be a Christian uh, and just not witness And I felt conflicted in that moment because I knew that the truth is plenty of us in this country manage to privately be a Christian and not say anything about our faith. But I said to the judge, well, all I can tell you is that biblically speaking, there is no concept of a Christian who does not witness and testify to their faith. Biblically speaking, if I want to be faithful to what the Bible teaches me, then I cannot keep silent. I cannot keep quiet, but I have to share the good news of what Jesus has done. Because it's part of who we are. It's part of our identity. It's part of why we're still here. We talked about the fact that as Christians, we are sent into this world in the same way that Jesus was sent. Everything about your Christian life can be done better in heaven with one exception. And that exception is mission. You see, when you're in heaven, there aren't going to be any non-Christians for you to evangelize. So it's not going to work as well there. That time will be over. But everything else, your worship is going to be so much better in heaven. I mean, the worship band were great, weren't they? But, you know, no offense, guys. We're expecting even more when we get to be with Jesus in eternity. You know, like that, that, that best moment you've had, that most goosebumpy moment. Maybe there was a key change. Um, maybe, you know, the sustained chords were going and you were swaying and, and you just felt the presence of God like never before. That's just a patch on what is to come when we get to be with all the angels of heaven and all the saints throughout the ages and everyone's like casting their crowns before him and we're caught up in this heavenly worship for all of eternity. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. We can worship better in heaven. We can know the presence of God better in heaven. 
As much as we know him with us and we've experienced and we testify to those times when he was with us through our difficult times and our darkest times and he gave us strength and we're so grateful to God, but we'll know it even more. Times a thousand, times a million, times a billion. We'll know his uninterrupted presence and fellowship in our lives. Everything's going to be better in heaven. That's why Paul said when he was saying, oh, I don't know what to do. I, I, I want to go and be with Jesus. It'll be better by far. But he had this sense. But I know that I've been sent into this world. I know that God has decided that it's better for me to remain with you. And that should be our sense as Christians. God has sent me into this world. The reason you are sat in a chair in this room or sat watching us online today, the reason you are still alive as a Christian, the reason you're still alive is God has decided that it is better for this world that you remain and be sent into the world, that you be sent to your family, to your friends, to your workplace, to your neighborhood, even if you hate it. Even if you don't like your workplace, even if you don't like your friends, he sent you. Whatever situation I find myself in as a believer, I'm sent there. Even if I'm praying that God would take me out of that situation and into a new one for as long as he has me there, I'm sent there. Mission is part of our identity. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about how easy it is for us to lose that identity. If you remember that, we talked about identity theft, how easy it is, um, and how we have an enemy who is constantly seeking to rob us of our identity. And I described three ways, little things that might help us, not the only ways, but things that might help us to guard that missional identity. One of them was I encouraged us that when we're reading the Bible, to read the Bible regularly and to read the Bible through the lens of mission, to notice just how much mission is part of the Bible story, that God is constantly making himself known and pouring himself out in love. And of course, we see that beautifully expressed through the life and ministry of Jesus. And I also encouraged us um, to encourage one another to provoke one another, to ask one another how we're getting on, to make it part of our conversations, that we wouldn't just be asking each other, oh, have you, you know, how are you doing with your Bible reading, or you know, how are you doing with your prayer life, but actually as we meet together in our connect groups, and we challenge one another, and we do life together as a church community, that that, that would be part of our conversation too. How's it going with your witness? We all find it hard, don't we? We all find it challenging. We can all feel intimidated in our workplaces or, you know, challenged. We might feel shy, but how's it going for you? What do you do? What, how, what are you praying into? What are you believing God for? How do you want to grow in this area? Making it part of how we encourage one another. But the other thing I encouraged us to do was to make it part of our prayer life. Because we can tell a lot about what's going on on the inside of us and we can tell a lot about our priorities from our prayer life. And so Kofo picked up on that last week, if you remember, about our prayer life and the extent to which our mission 
the gospel, our sharing of the gospel is part of our prayer life. Now, I just want to invite you just to think for a moment. You don't have to say this out loud. Just think for a moment. How much of your prayer life is about gospel mission? How much of your prayer life is about gospel mission? How much do you find yourself in your regular daily praying, praying about God helping you to be faithful to sharing the gospel? Or how much do we find ourselves, and I don't say this in any way as condemnation, but how much do we find ourselves actually overwhelmed by the pressures and the worries and the concerns that are going on in our own lives or maybe in the lives of our immediate family or our friends. But how often do we find ourselves actually praying about ourselves, maybe the church, maybe our, our, our family, but our needs as opposed to the gospel? And of course, it's not wrong to pray about those needs. Um, Jesus told us to pray, um, give us this day our daily bread. But after we'd prayed, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How much of our corporate prayer life, in our prayer meetings, in your connect group, does it always end up back on the subject of, I need a breakthrough in my finances? Does it always end up on the, I'm experienced challenge or maybe it's some area of sickness? Or, and it's not wrong to pray for those things, but proportionally, how much of our time, of our focus is going on those things and how much is also going on mission. It is so easy to become overwhelmed by the cares of this world, by the pressures that we face, by the busyness. We are such a busy generation, so busy, so pressured, so much going on. Is it any wonder that we can become pressurized and overwhelmed by the cares of this life. And we only need to look around us and see so much going wrong in our world. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6 from verse 19. Matthew chapter 6 from verse 19. Jesus says this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's just think for a moment, what is Jesus saying here? He's saying, you can become so focused on things in this world that you can lose. Yeah, I mean, not many of us these days have problem with um, moths eating our clothing, um, but it's possible. Um, but all kinds of things that we can become consumed with, feeling that we need, and Jesus is saying, you can lose those things. Someone can steal those things from you. He says, I want you to be thinking about storing up treasure in heaven that you can never lose, that will last for eternity. I want you to have an eternal mindset. I want you to think beyond the immediate circumstances, the immediate pressures that you face every single day, the cares, the worries, the anxieties of this world, 
I'm not denying that you have them, but I want you to think beyond them. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus is not saying that money in and of itself is evil, although he does elsewhere say that the love of money is the root of evil. He said you can't serve. If money is your master, if material possessions, if if success in this, in the things of this life, if that becomes your master, if that's what's driving you, if that's what your life is about, you can't serve God as your master equally. One or the other will be more important to you. That's what he's saying. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear, Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what should we eat? Or what should we drink? Or what should we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. See, the problem we have, my friends, is that Jesus said this. We're going to have a hard time dodging this one. We love to spiritualize certain texts of the Bible, don't we? But we're going to have a difficult time with this one because Jesus said you shouldn't be running after all these things. He didn't say you don't need them. He didn't say, oh, you should become super spiritual and pretend that I don't need food. (laughs) I don't need clothes. You do, believe me. (laughs) He, he, wasn't encouraging us to, he wasn't encouraging us to deny that, that actually we need money to be able to do anything in this world, don't we? We need money to operate. The church needs money. You need money to be able to feed your family, clothe your family, you know, to, to live. Um, he wasn't saying you don't need these things. He's saying this can't be what drives you. This can't be what the most important thing is. You have to decide what the most important thing in your life is going to be. Is it going to be God and his purpose? Or is it going to be God to try and help you 
get your purpose? Is it going to be God and his purpose and what he's building for eternity? Or is your relationship with God going to kind of somehow ultimately be about how God can help you to achieve your purpose? Do you get the difference? No one's denying that you love God. But am I in my heart, am I ultimately about what he is building that will last forever? Store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where nothing can destroy it and where no one can steal it away from you. Jesus wouldn't have said these things if he didn't know that we would struggle with them. Yeah? I'm not sure there's anyone in here that doesn't struggle with this in one way or another at some time or another. There's certainly not very many of us. Um, and I struggle with this. I struggle with this, not to worry ever about where things will come from, where needs will be met. But actually, Jesus wouldn't have said it if he didn't know that we would struggle. And yet he still challenges you. He still challenges you to say, what will be most important to you in your life? We are called to constantly remind ourselves that we are living for more than this world. Just as the Bible tells us, if we, Paul says this, if we, if it's only for this life that we have hope in Christ, we are of all people to be most pitied. If you're going around putting your faith in Jesus just for what you can get out of it in this life, Paul says, I pity you. What a waste of time. But actually, we're giving our lives for something that'll last forever. Our gospel offers a far greater hope than anything we can get in this world. Colossians 3, 1 to 4. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you also will appear with him in glory. What an incredible future and destiny you have. You will inherit the kingdom of God. And you will reign with Christ for all eternity in his beautiful and glorious kingdom of perfect righteousness, justice, peace, and joy. It's amazing. But right now, until he comes, or until you die and go to be with him, he has a mission for you to fulfill, that your life would be a witness and a testimony to that truth of who he is, of what he's done for you, of the future that he's given you, and that same opportunity for those around you to become part of that kingdom 
How can we keep this to ourselves? How can we stay silent? How can we not tell of what he has done for us? I don't know about you, but I want to give my life for something that will last forever. I don't want my life just to count for what I can accomplish in the here and now. I want my life to count for something eternal, to have eternal meaning and purpose. I want to take part in his mission. That's why we decided to call those who see themselves as part of our church family, our, we decided to call them our mission partners. And that's why we've been talking about partnering in God's mission. You may remember we ran a couple of um, belonging courses. Um, apologies, by the way, it's taken us far longer to meet up with people following on from that belonging course than we ever anticipated. We are still um, on it. But, but we will run another belonging course in the future. And it's, it's, not, about, it's not about us as, as a local church. It's about God's church throughout the world. But, but one of the things we were trying to do is saying, look, actually to belong, to be part of the family, to be part of the community, it can't just be about turning up somewhere on a Sunday. We have to have that sense of I'm part of what God is doing in the world. I'm part of what God wants to do through this community of people to reach those who don't know him with the gospel. That we have to be a gospel-shaped and gospel-driven church. That we cannot be, we, we lose our purpose, our reason for existing if we do not proclaim the gospel. If we are not a witness and a testimony to the goodness of God and his love poured out in our world. And so I guess as we close this, this series, um, I just want to ask us all again, are we ready to devote our lives to Jesus and his gospel? Are we ready to partner with God in his, in his mission? Because we're determined that King's Church should be all about making Jesus famous. That it should not be about us and our needs as much as we believe that God wants to meet our needs through one another. As much as we believe that God calls us to love one another because as the Bible says, how will the world know that we're his disciples if it's not by our love for one another? Of course we want to care for one another and nurture one another but all of it loses its ultimate significance and purpose if in doing that we do not maintain a witness and a testimony to who Jesus is and what he's doing in our world. We're all about making Jesus famous. We are all about the gospel. So let's pray. Maybe the worship team can just come and be ready to lead us in a, just a song of response. Lord Jesus, we may have come to the end of a preaching series, but this cannot be the end of this as a focus in our lives. We're so, so grateful for what you've done for us. We're so thankful, Jesus, you gave your life for us. Oh God, we accept 
that you are not about our purpose, but we are about your purpose. You've called us into your story, your mission. So Jesus, we want to give ourselves to you again. We humbly want to give ourselves to you again. Forgive us for when we became overwhelmed or distracted, overly concerned by the things of this world. Lord God, we fix our eyes on you. We trust you. We bring our needs to you. We bring our struggles to you, our sufferings to you, our sicknesses, our lack, the injustices we've maybe faced, the hurts we've maybe been through and encountered, our grief, our loss. We bring it all to you, Lord. Once again, we choose to trust you. We choose to trust that you will take care of all of our needs. We say our lives will be for you, for your mission, for your kingdom. We will seek first your kingdom and your righteousness and trust you with everything else. In Jesus' name.